Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on. Yep, one of our favorite subjects murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects baking and killers? Karen Devaney and Varner, come on down. <laughs> You're the next contestant on the Crazy Train. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. Hey. So, welcome to my kitchen. Welcome to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Our, welcome to the Insanity. Our third week of of <sighs> quarantine podcast. Oh yeah, it's our third quarantine podcast. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna tell you. It's not getting any harder. It's not getting any easier. It's just the same. And I think that's what's the worst. Is that I'm disagreeing. Is the same. I, feel, I feel like it's getting harder. Oh, okay. It's getting harder. Let me tell you how it's getting harder for me. I am bored. Yeah. I'm finding it very difficult to engage my brain. I've tried to order puzzles, but the puzzles won't be here until June. So... Um, I play games on my phone, which is super fun, but that gets boring. I've watched everything, and now I can't watch anything else. I try to read, but when I read, I fall asleep. So I am running out of things to do. And then I start to think of, oh, my God, what's it going to be like when we have to go back out into the world? And I become anxious. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, how is that going to work? Yes. Yeah. I agree. So... I agree. For me, it's getting a little bit harder. Well, you can take up. Well, you don't even have to take it up. You can be doing some embroidery. <laughs> True. Yep. You can be um, learning a new language. Oh. Okay. Well, okay. You can do things that better yourself. Learn calligraphy. Okay. Learn taking a free online class about something. They have, I know, um, I can't remember which camera company. They're offering free online photography classes. There, I mean, there are a lot of places right now that are offering what I would call life enrichment classes that you can do online for free to help your boredom. There you go. So right. learn a new language. Problem learn solved. Mandarin. Learn Vietnamese. So when we start getting our nails done again, we know what them words oh are Oh my saying. gosh. You know what? That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm going to work on my Vietnamese. Yes. See? That's what I'm saying. You just got to you got to find wonderful. ways to enrich your brain. Sounds like I just needed to have a conversation with you and things got better. Well, it sounds like it because I am really good at telling people what to do. So what are you going to bake? It, it's it's a lovely day for baking. It is a lovely day. It's a little rainy, a little dreary, and it's a little chilly. I have so. a great idea. Since you're baking this week, why don't you do it from beginning to end? All you, no me. I'm not going to help you at all. That seems, what a great idea. That's wow. too simple for this type of podcast that we do. And that doesn't speak well to partnership. And I also think that that's a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, and D, all of the above. 
So I'm making banana bread. Yum. My friend Amanda, who sells Scentsy. Right. What now? What is Scentsy? Scentsy. They sell um, like the waxes, the smell good waxes. Oh, that you like you melt. melt. Oh, yeah, okay. It's all those different scents, and they have a laundry line which I really love. They have um, like bath and body lotions. They have a laundry line like you can do your clothes and the smells. Yes. Wow. Fantastic. They have. They've got everything. So they've got the wax. They've got. Can I have my laundry smell like banana bread? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that, I don't know, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know what all their scents are. We like this scent called Amazon Rain for our laundry. Nice. And it's really good, but she uses, like, there's a special, like, sports scent that she uses for her 12-year-old son because he tends to stink. Right. Sorry, um, Amanda's son. He's not listening because he's 12. Right. Well, he shouldn't be. No, he should not. So, anyway, but, so... She, I had ordered some stuff from her, mm -hmm. and then she had sent me this promotion that they were doing, and one of the promotions talked about getting the smell of, like, combining two different things to get the banana bread smell in oh, the house, oh. and then she sent me this recipe for banana bread, which is how the whole Scentsy line started. That is so fun. So I thought, well, that, that's really fun, and banana bread is a big hit with everybody. Absolutely. So I thought I would just use her recipe, and and make this bread that's a great so, idea yeah so thanks amanda here's our our banana hats are off to you thank you amanda yep you rock so i'm just going to go over these ingredients really fast it's a stick of butter a cup of sugar two eggs two cups of flour a teaspoon of bacon soda a teaspoon of bacon powder half teaspoon of salt three large nanners mashed and a cup of whipping cream and if you're not a court reporter <laughs> then we will you definitely just email you the you know we can the recipes we would we would email oh and there's also vanilla and there's sugar and cinnamon that you mix up together and you sprinkle a little bit in the greased loaf pan before you put it <gasps> really? in and then you sprinkle it after on top oh, so it gives it kind of a little bit of a crunchy I hadn't thought about doing that either so I was really excited about that that's a great idea. Yeah, so while you, whilst you talk about moida, uh -huh. I'm going to start on my banana bread. All right. Okay. You go to it, girl. Take it away. Just, just focus and get it done. Shut up. Get take it, it away. done. It's time for you to take it away. All right, so I decided to do something a little different this week. I decided to um, talk about a podcaster who's doing good things out there. Oh, well, a podcaster yes. doing good things. Yeah. His, I mean, aside from us, of course. Well, yeah. And listen, just because I'm saying about this podcast doesn't mean you can dump hours and go listen to it. No, I mean, but there are plenty of time to listen to a lot of them to yeah, further engage. So, so I'm just going to give a, two shameless plugs right now to two podcasters that I want people to be aware of okay. while you're talking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. One is called Speak Up, Sis. Right. It's a podcast by this girl who talks about women empowerment and um, how to find your voice as a female, whether it's in the workforce, your personal life, your dating life, whatever. She covers everything. I wow, love it. that's great. But she also has a lot of men on. Right. And they give their perspective of women and their interaction with women and women empowerment and stuff like that. So she, it's a very balanced podcast, and it's really good. And she, she posts updates all the time. She puts out new episodes. So it's Speak Up Sis. And people need to look her up. And then there's another one called Pink Cloud Nine. Oh. And this girl does really short podcasts, like snippets, 10 to 15 minutes. Right. Sometimes five minutes. 
on just a topic that pops into her head. Sometimes she's driving when she does the podcast. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes she just like, she has a thought. She needs to talk about it. She hits record and she talks about it. Wow, that's so fun. So it's very random thoughts. It's a lot of different stuff. And it's, you know, just her perspective as a female. So right. Those are two podcasts that if people are looking for something to do because they've listened to every single one of our episodes and they're waiting for another episode to drop. Right. And then they've listened to all of our other episodes in the past before. Again, like you should listen to everything twice then go look up these podcasts. Yeah, I will, because I have to be truthful. I usually only listen to murder podcasts, but yes. it's good to branch out. And there is one other podcast that I will tell you about. It's called Anxiety About Anxiety. Right. And this guy, Sean, he has such a great perspective. He has lived with anxiety for almost all of his life. It's all about how he gets through it, what how it affects him, um, how to not just overcome it, but but just how to live in the moment with it and accept that you have anxiety. He has a really, really great perspective on a young man with anxiety living in our society today. And I really, I just really enjoy his point of view. Well, that's great. And a lot of people will, will really get a lot, of, you'll get a lot of out of something like that now, especially with all the anxiety that's coming out about having to return to yes. work and what's going to happen when the quarantines are over and we start to get back into the swing of things and what's going to happen with the economy. There's just a yeah. lot of what ifs out there. Yes. And if you're having some anxiety, it's nice to get perspective from somebody who's living it and has been it. living it yeah. every day. And he really has a good, like I said, a good point of view. And he just, it's good real talk. Right. It's real talk. It's not really buffered, but he just puts it out there. And I think, I think it's really good for anybody that's got anxiety. But Look at us making people, the world you know, a better place. Once again, podcasters uplifting the world. Wow. <laughs> All right. So the gentleman I'm going to talk about today, his name is Bob Ruff. That's R-U-F-F Ruff. Ruff, not Ross like the painter. Correct. Okay. So he has a podcast called Truth and Justice. Nice. And on his podcast, he takes deep dives into murders. He basically reinvestigates murders that could potentially have wrongful convictions. Okay. So people, on an average, he'll get, he and his team will get about a thousand cases pitched to them or emailed to them. And then like a hundred, somebody will go in and weave things out. They'll get like a hundred cases a week pitched to them. Um, begging for people begging please take a look at this case so my my mother was wrongly convicted my brother was wrongly convicted and when they find one that they think they could really do some good with he and his team will call and order the case file mm -hmm. which is a matter of public record right yes they'll get the crime scene photos they'll have a conversation with the GA the prosecutor anybody who's been involved in the case he and his team will go in and try and get information from them and they will basically go in and reinvestigate. Once he has all of his information put together, he starts to podcast about it. I like it. So week after week, podcast after podcast, he's asking right. his fans, you know, this is what we found. What do you think about this? And are there things that, that somebody missed? If you've got, you know, some kind of an expert out there, what are your thoughts on it? So hmm. it's really a neat, a yeah. neat. So, um, one story that grabbed his attention that I thought was of interest um, was about a family 
that had been shattered by a truly bizarre crime. So he and his team reached out um, and and ordered court documents, all the case files. They had the conversations. They took a look at everything for about two months, and then he started to podcast about it. Um, the, and the murder was about this couple, Jim Melgar and his wife, Sandy. So Jim was an IT specialist, and Sandy was a nurse. They met in high school. Soon after they graduated, they got married. Um, Jim had a great sense of humor and was quick with a joke. They were Jehovah's Witnesses, and um, they had a daughter named Lizzie. Jim and Sandy were loving toward each other. They always seemed to have each other's back. There was a lot of respect back and forth with each other. Sandy was very caring and loving. She, too, was quick-witted, and she also, unfortunately, had a lot of health problems. Oh, She's had hip replacements. She has hypothyroidism. She's been diagnosed with lupus and epilepsy. Wow, that's a handful. It is a handful. At one point, Sandy was even in a wheelchair. She was paralyzed on one side of her body. And Jim became Sandy's caretaker. And he researched treatment options for her. He drove her to appointments and he never complained. He just really took that vow in sickness and in health very, very seriously. So Sandy and Jim really got close through years of all of these health problems that she was having. They just, their friendship became closer. They, they loved each other more. It just, they seemed to really grow in their relationship and their love. That's sweet. That's very sweet. So one night in December, Sandy was having an especially good day. Mm-hmm. It happened to be their 32nd wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. And they decided, you know what? Let's go out to dinner. So they decided to go to their favorite Mexican restaurant. And this takes place in Houston, Texas. I don't think I mentioned that yet, but it takes place in Houston, Texas. So they decided they're going to go eat at their favorite Mexican restaurant. Um, They enjoy their dinner. On their way home, they stop at a CVS to pick up some drink mixers to take home. Drink mixers. Have a little cocktail. A little cocktail at home. Yep. Got some Welch's grape juice on the way. That's right. They got home and they mixed themselves a couple little drinky poos. Okay. And they head for their jacuzzi in their bathroom. Oh, yes. They are mean business. Yeah. So they've got a big jacuzzi tub and they're like, grab your drink. Let's have ourselves a partay. So they really enjoyed themselves in the jacuzzi. Uh Uh-oh. And then uh, suddenly. Is that a code word? Well, like yeah. code brings. Yeah, I'm picking up code. Yes, I oh. believe they were really enjoying each other and in the jacuzzi. In the jacuzzi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. And Jimmy. then their freaking dogs start barking. They have four little dogs, <gasps> and the dogs are in the backyard, and they start barking. So Jim's like, "That's you know, I'll get, I'll get the dogs." Yeah. So he gets out of the jacuzzi, heads out, um, to go take care of the dogs, and and. Sandy just continues to relax and enjoy the jets and the jacuzzi. And the afterglow of the jiggy. Right. (laughs) After somewhere between 5 and 15 minutes, Jim hasn't returned. Sandy's like, I'm just going to get out. You know, I'm ready for bed. So she gets out and she goes into the, there's a closet in their bathroom. Remember how dad's bedroom used to be? There was a a bathroom and then they had the big closet. Mm -hmm. So she went into her. one of those. Now, I just couldn't figure out what you were talking about, but right. I do. So they have 
a closet in their bathroom. Uh -huh. She goes in, sits on a chair, and she's putting lotion yeah. on, and then she remembers nothing after that. Oh. That's where her memory stops. The oh. next afternoon, there's a planned family get-together that's supposed to happen at Jim and Sandy's house to celebrate their wedding anniversary. Oh. So Jim's brother and his family show up, and it's like 4.30 in the afternoon, and they're a little bit late because evidently Jim's brother always ran late, and that was like a running joke with the family. Much yeah. like ourselves. Yes, much like ourselves that we when just people joke about tell with us ourselves. The party starts at 5, and it really doesn't start until 8, knowing that we'll get there somewhere around 7. Yeah, or 7.30. <laughs> so, yeah, that's us. Yeah, we go through that sometimes. It's part of our charm. It is. It really is. We do try. We make it's, every effort. It's not know, like yeah. we sit around and we're like, eh, we'll get there when we get there. No, and we don't ever say, I'm showing up late. No, we're yeah. always trying to be like the first or second. We have or the best fifth. intentions. Best intentions, but, but it doesn't work out. It just doesn't work out. So, anyway, Jim's brother gets to their house. Excuse and me. Piper, uh, you're not allowed to be on the podcast. You've not been cleared by the FFA. FAA. Right. I don't know who the FFA is. The frequent, the frequent Flyer frequent Association. Frequent Flyer people. Can you please behave? Piper is uh, Karen's other dog. Leroy Brown is having a sleepover somewhere else. Yep, at and my son's house. And Piper is here. here, and she's she's worried about something. She's, she's trying to tell us that she's worried, but it's okay. This story is not happening right now. <laughs> so you're you're safe. You're in a safe place. Go get your pig. Go find your pig. Where's the pig? Oh, yeah, baby. she's like I don't know what you're talking about, lady. Like, I don't there want she to have whatever you're cooking. Oh, there she just and there's pig. the pig. All right, so Jim's at the door. They're knocking on the door. They can hear the dogs, but nobody's coming to the door. So after a few minutes, they're like, what the heck is going on? So Jim's brother, his name is Herman. They, he walks around to the garage, and the door that goes from the garage into the house is open. Okay. So he, he goes inside, walks around, opens the front door, lets the rest of his family in. Uh-huh. So they can hear the dogs bark, 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 and... Then they hear, like, this really far away, help, help, somebody help me. And they're like, oh, my God, that sounds like Sandy. So Harmon starts booking it toward the voice. Okay. And he runs in, and he finds, he goes into the bathroom, he's hearing the voice. There is a chair in front of the closet door. Okay. He moves the chair, opens the door, so the there's somebody has put a chair underneath the doorknob yeah. so she can't open. Sure. So he moves the chair, opens the door, and Sandy's in there, and she is tied up. Her feet are tied, and her hands are tied behind her back. And this is going to be hard because Karen's going to be able to see it, but y'all aren't. So I'm going to do my best to describe what it is. Her hands are not just together at the wrist, tied. But her hands are stacked one on top of the other. Okay. Like I dream like of a, genie. Like yeah, like an equal sign together. Right. Only behind her back. How is that possible? Well, you you can do it. I it's not easy for us because we maybe are a little less round. limber. <laughs> I was going for the less limber, but, but anyway, is too. Her That's really but that is not comfortable. No, and and she was bound. And when I say you're bound Somebody had wrapped this rope around her forearm, um, forearm. like her whole, all, her, all her arm, right, from the so elbow to the elbow, right. 
and then knotted it. So it wasn't yes. like her hands were tied behind her back. They were huh. equal sign together behind her back, uncomfortable, and bound. Oh my okay? gosh. That's very important to remember. That's how. Okay. So he could, and, and Herman's like, I can't even figure out where the knots are to get this undone. She's like, there's some scissors over there on the vanity. Grab the scissors and cut me out. So he grabs the scissors, cuts her out. She's trying to get herself together because she's, you know, kind of groggy, a little bit sleepy, even just kind of out of it. While she's getting herself together, Herman goes into the, into the bedroom to try and figure out what the heck's going on. And he discovers Jim in the master bedroom closet. So they, they have a closet in the bathroom and a closet in the bedroom. Because they got a lot of closets. They got a lot of closets. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Doesn't happen with me. I'm not rich, but sometimes it happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Herman finds Jim. Jim is naked. He's oh. been beaten and stabbed to death. And this closet is about 30 feet from where Sandy was in the bathroom. His legs were tied together with a telephone cord and a rope was loosely tied around his chest. And he had a lot of defensive wounds on his hands. Like wow. you could tell he was really fighting, fighting, yeah. fighting, whoever it was to save himself. And um, Jim has 31 cuts on his body. He was badly beaten in the head, which caused serious injury to his skull, his brain, and his face. Wow. So he, it was... None of the stab wounds were immediately incapacitating. So whatever happened, it was not quick. No. It really lasted. He really fought. And he probably suffered. Right. It was just a really, really bad scene. Okay. So Sandy gets up from where she is, and she makes it into the master bedroom. Okay. She sees Jim's body, and she's completely out of control, screaming, crying. Yeah. She is devastated. She is so upset. She's hysterical. And Herman's wife actually has to hold her back from Jim's body just so she won't go, touch go and touch anything. So they call the police, and um, the detectives and crime scene investigators swarm all over the house. They take video. They take pictures of the house, the crime scene. The wounds, they take pictures of Sandy, they take pictures of her hands, her clothes, what she's wearing, like everything. They just go in and really do everything. Okay. They notice that all of the drawers in the bedroom have been pulled out. They uh -huh. look like they've been gone through. There are jewelry boxes that have been rifled through in the bedroom. And then in Jim's closet, they find a locked safe and Jim's loaded gun. They can see bloody handprints where Jim was probably desperately trying to reach for the gun. Oh. There's even some blood on a shirt sleeve where just beyond that oh. shirt sleeve was that gun. And he probably just couldn't get it. That is torturous. That was Piper. She doesn't like it. She is very upset, she's by, upset the crime by, the, by the crime scene. She's not enjoying it. No, she doesn't like murder. So investigators then take Sandy down to the police station to be questioned. Which is the norm. Um, this is where things get really bad for Sandy. Okay. Gosh, Piper. Sorry, y'all. So when the investigators ask Sandy to give details about the day, Sandy tells them, you know, we went to dinner, we stopped at CVS, 
We came home. We spent about two hours in the jacuzzi having some fun and talking. They wanted to know what they talked about. She was like, we talked about his job. We talked about our life together, our marriage, our wedding. We reminisced. We talked about our daughter. And they said, y'all are y'all in a good relationship? What is your relationship? She's like, yeah, it's good. Everything's fine. We didn't have any arguments, no disagreements, nothing. And they ask her, Tell us, tell us what you remember. Yeah. After you got home, she said he gets up. It's about 12 o'clock at night when, when we hear the dogs. Jim gets up. He goes to take care of the dogs. I get out about 10, 15 minutes later. I go in the closet, put my lotion on, and that's it. I don't remember anything after that. Wow. So she tells them that she thinks that she might have had a seizure. And that's why she doesn't remember anything. Could be. She says that um, she has seizures about once a month. And then she tells them that her body's really sore and she's got a headache. And that's why she's thinking. And then she's got no memory. And a lot of times that's what happens after she's had yep. a seizure. The detectives do not buy her story. Oh, no. They continue to question her. She refuses to take a polygraph because she says... She's too distraught to take it, and she's too tired, and she's, she's overwhelmed, and she just doesn't want to take one right now. She doesn't say, I'll never take one. Right. She just doesn't want to take one right now. Right. That, I mean, I get it. And then one of the detectives starts to pretend like he's Jim, calling out for help. What? Yeah. Sandy, please help me. Please what? help me. Yeah. In front of her? Yes. Yes, it's on tape. Her. It is on tape. It's insane. And Sandy just looked at him and said, I can't, I can't do this anymore with you. I can't. And she said, I want a lawyer. There you go. I want a lawyer. So she lawyers up and they end up letting her go without filing any charges. So she moves on with her life. A year and a half after Jim's murder... Sandy's daughter, Liz, I guess is poking around somewhere, I don't know, and she figures out that there is a warrant out for Sandy's arrest. What? A year and a half later. Sandy what? has been indicted and has been charged with murder. So she goes and she meets with her attorney and she turns herself in. My God. And she gets out on bail. And she's out on bail for three years what? Three years, right? So it's four and a half years later that they go to trial. My four God. and a half years after the murder of her husband is when she finally goes to trial. And I, I did not know this, but apparently in Texas, you do not have to prove motive. Oh. It is not a requirement in Texas. What do you have to prove? You only have to prove the how. You do not have to prove the why. So, does the how mean a murder weapon? Yes. Okay, so you have to have a murder weapon. Yes, and I I haven't gotten to that part. Okay. There is a murder weapon. Okay. There is a murder weapon. I don't, I'm not sure if I skip that in my story or if I get to it. Okay, well, if you don't get to it by the end, you can backtrack because we're oh, going to well. need to know about the murder weapon. There is weapon. a murder weapon. Okay. So, the prosecutors only have to prove how Sandy murdered Jim, not why she would have murdered. That's just scary. That 
is terrifying to me. That's terrifying to me. I know there's some states where you have to have a body, a motive, and a murder weapon right. in order to prove murder. I think that's important. I too. So the prosecutor tells the court that she believes Sandy tricked Jim into letting her tie him up as part of a sex game. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> no. That is not... That is not a nice accusation. I know. She then... Just because they have a jacuzzi? She says that then... That's when Sandy attacked him during the sex game and repeatedly stabbed him. What? Yeah. She says that the ransacked house was staged, that nothing was stolen. Sandy's this was the prosecutor yeah. saying this? Yeah. Sandy's is this a man or a, fem a man or a woman? A female. Huzzy? Yeah. So Sandy's attorney says there were items taken from the house. Oh. The prosecutor says that Sandy attacked Jim with a knife and was caught off guard. Sandy's attorney points out that Sandy has no wounds on her hands. They show pictures of her the night that it happened. Yeah. Of of the when they take the pictures of her hand. Yeah. Front, back, yeah. her arms, everything. There is not one cut. There's not one broken fingernail. I mean, there would at least be some Nothing. blood somewhere. Think she could have about, transferred blood into her or the closet where she was And think up. about how hard wait, he how, fought. Wait, how did she tie herself up? We're getting to that. Okay. So, well, she must have some kind of a fancy, like, rope-making, tying-up I mean, mechanism. there's not a scratch on her. Not a scratch. There's no nothing, no bruising on her face, no scratch. There is nothing. And, and they Jim, said that he had all these defensive yes. ones where he was, he was fighting back. He so what was, was he fighting, fighting back? The shirts in the closet? I guess so. Maybe. I don't know. Wow. This is a... The prosecutor said that... It's a head scratcher. All right. So when they were doing the crime scene investigation, they found in the tub a white blouse mm -hmm. and the, the knife from the kitchen. Okay. Okay. So the prosecutor says that the white blouse was in there because Sandy threw it in there to get the blood off of it. And that's and that she threw the knife in there to get to take away evidence. So let's think about that. If you get blood on your shirt and you soak it in water that's bathtub water that people you know, just yeah, like just rub the, some water in there. That people have been sitting in with like soap and whatever. Yeah. Do you think the blood's just gonna soak away? It doesn't dissolve. If you had that amount of blood on you, wouldn't you think that the bath water would be red? Oh, it wasn't? No. Oh. No. There were no blood stains on the shirt. It was just a shirt. It was just a white shirt that randomly was thrown in the tub. Which could have been if you're fighting in the mat no. Who knows? This Maybe could they, have been when she was taking her clothes off upstairs before they got jiggy in the jacuzzi. She could have had that shirt on and just t tossed it into the, like, like you're tossing it, but you are, it doesn't hit the side of the tub. It actually goes into the tub and you're like, I'll get that later. Who knows? Maybe yeah. somebody grabbed it and was wiping stuff down, Yeah. you know, to get their fingerprints off. Who knows? There's just, there's. There's more than one reason that that shirt could have been. Did they take pictures of the shirt they in did. the water and the water was not red? It was not. I feel like 
Where is this? Texas? Houston, Texas. Jesus, I don't know what kind of training <laughs> these, these police got. I think, mm -mm. So there was no blood around the tub. There were no blood stains like on the counters. There were actually, there was no blood other than the blood that was in the closet in the house. There was none. Oh. Right. The investigators found some DNA in the house that did not belong to Sandy or Jim. There was unknown male DNA on some key pieces of evidence, but they're not specific on which ones. Okay. And unknown female DNA on the dresser drawer pulls and on door handles in the house. The prosecutor says that there is no evidence of Sandy having seizures in her medical file. And they say that Sandy used a small rug to pull a chair to the door of the closet, and that's how she blocked herself in. So she does that. She, she shows a reenactment because ju this just shows you the night that the investigators got to the house, they reenacted what they thought could have happened with the chair. Okay. So the chair was on a little rug in the bathroom. Okay. They say if you were in the closet and you pulled the door shut, and as you were pulling it, you pulled the chair really close and tipped it back, that you could then pull this rug from underneath the closet toward the door, and the chair would lean underneath the door, no, not thus won't. trapping you in. No, it th that's not even the right physics. <laughs> That's not the right physics. But they did a reenactment on film. I don't give two toots. I don't care. That's not the right physics. Oh, my God. This is not right. <sighs> then she says that she could have easily tied her hands behind her back. And the prosecutor demonstrates how that could happen, where she just takes the rope mm -hmm. that was around her hands, the hand okay. part, and she takes it and she twists it and turns it behind her back, but she's only doing it where her wrists are crossed behind her back. Yeah. She is not doing it the way the Herman, Herman... And the knots. Who taught the knots? Right. She says you can have the knots in all ready. And she said it doesn't have to be whether or not you can get out. It just has to look like your hands are tied behind your back. That's uh, what so, the Herman, so Herman said, I can't get these off you because... What, he just really wanted to use scissors? Right. He was just in the mood for some arts and crafts? Like, what's happening? Right. So, the prosecutor has said she threw the shirt and the knife in the tub to get her fingerprints off. Okay. The prosecutor has said there was no robbery, nothing was missing from the house. She said that she tricked, that Sandy tricked Jim during a sex game, and that's how she attacked and killed him. So that's the evidence that she's presented to the jury. I don't like it. So the jury goes out. Mm -hmm. First day, the jury is split down the middle. Mm -hmm. Half and half. Some guilty, some not guilty. Second day, the jury has a verdict. Guilty. What? What? I know. What? Wait a minute. Okay, I have questions. Okay. The first one is, does Herman stand by... Sandy. 100%. Does Sandy's daughter stand by Sandy? 100%. Is there anybody in their immediate family or just offshoots of the family that does not believe Sandy's story? No. So this is the police who just decide. Correct. 
this is the person who had to have done it. Yes. So we're going to build a case against this person who had to have done it. I think, I personally think that we need some kind of justice law that says that when you're investigating, you always have to you always have to look at and pursue more than one yeah. one suspect. Yeah. I think it should always have to be at least two, and you should try to build as much of a case against both of them as right. you can. Right. But this whole that night that, that we answered this phone call, now now we're going to answer the nine one one call and decide for ourselves that this is what this is. And oh by the way, that's the wrong physics with that rug. Right. All right, so here's where we are. After the verdict comes through, that's when I think it was Lizzie, Jim, and Sandy's daughter who reached out to Bob Ruff and said, please, can you help us? Okay, so he had already been doing this podcast, and she heard about him. Yes. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, and she reached out to him. So, and Bob has said some things. This is interesting, which, you know, to me is logical, but I could, I'm not an investigator or a police officer, and so that's not me, but... You figure there's a door that's open leading from the garage into the house yep. when Herman gets there. And if your husband was upstairs, the dog was barking, he's like, I'm going to run down and get the dogs. Yeah. Say he runs down to get the dogs and maybe a back door is open. What's he going to do? He's going to close the door and lock it. Yeah. Get the dogs in, close the door and lock it, right? Yeah. So we don't know what happened to Jim after he left. Once he went to go get the dogs. We know that somehow the dogs are back inside the house. Yeah. They were obviously not still outside no. bark, bark, barking, right? right? Or maybe they were, but but that's not to say that Jim, we don't know if he really went downstairs or he didn't, but there are logical explanations of somebody getting into the house. Yeah. So... Another thing that's really interesting, I thought, is the prosecutor said there was nothing missing. However, Lizzie said the TV and video box from the bedroom were missing. Well, why didn't get that on tape? And the crime scene photos show the connector to the TV, oh. the connector to the box. And the box and the TV are not there, and the stand where they are normally, empty. Well, why didn't the jury know this? I don't know. I think that... Sandy's lawyers presented it. And then they just didn't buy it. And then, yeah. I think it was actually the tying of being able to tie your hands behind your back. It was like a he said, she said situation in court, which is bizarre to me. Yeah, that's it my just, thing. I don't see, like, hard evidence. I say I'm seeing an interpretation of some evidence that you could either interpret one way or the other. Right. But you have, but that, the thing that's getting me with this conviction is I have reasonable doubt. Like, right. I'm feeling like there's reasonable doubt. So, like, maybe, like, like, okay, maybe I can say it was, um, like, homicide, no, manslaughter, and but maybe, like, a, a less than manslaughter, I don't know what you would call it, almost like vehicular manslaughter, like, oops, I accidentally ran over you, but I didn't mean to, if they're saying they were doing sex play and she accidentally stabbed, but this is not murder. Right. This isn't, to me, this isn't murder. It's too much, too many holes. So he, but he was murdered. I understand Brutally that. Brutally murdered. Brutally murdered. Right. But when I'm looking at it from a jury point of view. Right. And I'm saying, this doesn't look like a murder. It might have, like, at the farthest reach, if I believe anything the prosecutor is saying, it's, it was sex play gone wrong, but that doesn't even make sense. Because right. she didn't have any blood on her. 
So then there's this, in a foul mood the prosecutor then is talking about a chair that's in the be- in the master bedroom that okay. was near the closet. It's got blood on it. She's saying that Sandy had prepared for this murder the night before because she had moved that chair from the dining room where it belonged into the bedroom. But when you look at the crime scene photos, it's clear that the chair, there are marks in the carpet from where the chair had been. Sure. And it, and it had been moved. Okay. Okay. The chair was used for their Pomeranian who had trouble getting on the bed. That's why the chair was in there. It's not because she moved it to play sex games. I mean, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. I, I don't know. I they, I don't know. I, I feel I like Jehovah's know. Witnesses have sexy health they, blocks. Sexy. They could no. have sexy health blocks. No, no. They, I wasn't saying that. <laughs> sexy health blocks. They, That's, I was saying right, healthy right. sex blocks, right. not sexy I health blocks. I get it. It's just, anyway, I, don't know. I don't know. I feel like they were married. They're two consenting adults. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Right. What they do. Right. So, and then you're back to the prosecutor saying, oh, she could have tied her own hands behind her back. And then Herman is like, I... How is that possible? Because her hands were not tied like that. They right. were bound. Yeah, they, they were, were bound. wrapped up, right. bound, knotted, in an equal sign. So let me see that prosecutor. But I will tell off. you that when they were younger, Jim and Herman's family emigrated to the United States from Guatemala. Herman did not speak clear English. And in the interviews that I saw with him, he didn't speak any English. Oh. Like he had a translator? Yes, his okay. daughter. Okay. Was it, and who was who happened to be there as well? Yeah, yeah. The investigators never questioned anybody else. There was a guy that lived a couple houses down who had been in jail. He was released the night before. He, I think, had gone to jail for theft or burglary or something. So he was back in his house, back in the same neighborhood. Sure. Who's to say it couldn't have been him? So investigators go to the house, but he's not home, so they left a business card and never followed up with him. Yeah, and I just got out of jail, so let me call this business card from the sheriff's Right, department. like I'm going like, to call I, you. I'm dying to talk to you. Sorry, I Been out of jail place. 24 hours, can't wait to see you. Again. Right. They never looked at anybody else. And that, to me, is I just think that they should have to answer to that in court. How many other suspects did you... Look at how many profiles did you build with right. other people? I think when you get tunnel vision, that that you, I don't, I think it would keep these departments from getting tunnel vision. I agree because I, I believe that that they believe what they're saying, but they're Absolutely. not looking at the full picture. No, and it's they are just looking what's at in their to tunnel. solve this crime. Right. And so we're going to walk in, the crime scene is fresh, we know what happened, and we're going to go back home and come back and write it up tomorrow. Right. So Sandy was sentenced to 27 years in prison. Oh my God, they sent her to jail. They sent her to jail. Yeah. How old was she? Um, she looks to be probably our age. That's sad. Please don't send her to jail. I can't go. (laughs) Bob Ruff, Sandy's daughter, Bob's audience... They're all working to prove Sandy's sure. innocence. They've set up a GoFundMe page offering a reward to find the true killer. Sure, we need to get up there on this podcast 
solving stuff. We could solve some things. I know. We promised Mama that we wouldn't do any active cases, though. I won't, we won't talk out on ours. Right. We'll work for Pop. Right, right. <laughs> so they've raised $12,500. they are wow. trying to get to $20,000 as, as a reward for finding Jim's real killer. Sandy's case is being appealed. So hopefully... She's still in jail? Yeah. Oh, where is she? We need to go see her. She's in Texas. Well, I'm scared to go there. Them cops, they'll just not, not going to go to Houston. I'm not going there because I'll get in the city and they'll stop me and say, guess what? You murdered somebody. Now you're going to jail too. And know, isn't that true. the scariest thing in the world? It's and if you can see this woman, she's, she's a slight woman. She walks with a cane. There's just no indication anywhere that the relationship that she and her husband had like, there's not even a person that testified to say it was a rocky relationship. And yeah. you can't even say, like, it was about life insurance. There was a $250,000 life insurance policy. That probably wouldn't even pay off their mortgage. No. Not there, all It just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have to prove the motive, motive that's, and that's a huge piece of the puzzle in a lot of cases. Well, I, I ain't going to be living in no Texas ass yeah. anytime soon. I need to know the laws of every state before, before I go there. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's it. That's what I've got. You can Google it. Her name is Sandy Melgar, M-E-L-G-A-R. Her husband's name was Jim, also Jaime or Jamie, but he went by Jim. Okay. Um, and Bob Ruff, Truths and Justice. That's the name of his podcast. Awesome. So Yeah. There you go. So if anybody finds out more details about this, please let us know. You can email us at our email address that is murder.sugarcoated. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. <laughs> and um, follow us on Instagram. Yes, on Instagram. Find us on Facebook fan page. And you've got our email and reach out to us. Give us some merch. Yeah, and to really do. watch that fan page because we've started, run, started to run some contests. Yeah. We're giving away freebies. Yeah, you got to so get on there and get, get some on freebies. there and answer some, some questions and you'll get some free stuff. Get some, some, something. Get right. Something. So it's smelling very banana y. Banana yeah, there's seven minutes left. So the only thing you have to do when this timer goes off, oh my God. I'm you have upset that dog. So, okay. You're going to just pull that out. I'm going to pull it out. All right. So let's swap. We're going to just take a break. That's no rude. I'm just going to give her a treat. Yes. Okay. Hold on. Bye. All right. We're back. Yay. Whew. Hopefully my dog will behave herself, but there is no guarantee she is the loudest yapper that we have out of all the dogs. <laughs> so we call her Hyper Piper for a reason. She's sweet. I know. She's a sweet girl. She just, she's a little hyper. High strong. Okay. So my murder. Okay. Takes place in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm ready. All right. There is a girl there. Well, she's not a girl. She's a 21-year-old woman, Channon Christian. Channon? Channon. C-H-A-N-N-O-N. Channon. She was born in Texas in 1985. They lived, she and her family lived in Los Angeles. Not Los Angeles. Where, where are we? Are we in Texas? Are we in California? We got born in Texas. We lived for a little bit in Louisiana. And then we moved with our fam. She moved with her family from Louisiana to Tennessee in 1997. Okay. She graduated high school in 2003. She was a senior at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, majoring in sociology. All right. She was dating this guy. 23-year-old young man. His name 
Hugh Christopher Newsom. Went by Chris or Christopher. Oh, okay. You didn't like Hugh? You didn't want to be known as Hugh? It didn't sound like it. Wow. Mm -hmm. No. Way to snub your fam. No, I think that maybe it maybe he just wanted to be H. Christopher. Like huh. something kind of refined. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So he was born in 1983 in Knoxville. So he's a local, true local. Okay. Played baseball for the Halls High School Red Devils. Go Red Devils! Graduated in 2002 from high school. All right. And he lived in the area. So, Shannon and Chris were a couple. On June 6, 2007, Chris and Shannon had dinner at a local Knoxville restaurant, and they had plans to go watch a movie at a friend's house afterwards. So, they were last seen leaving the apartment complex of some friends that evening. Channon got into the driver's seat of the vehicle they were driving, and Chris leaned in for a kiss. Aww. At that moment, the couple was carjacked. What? Carjacked by several suspects at gunpoint. They were taken in the car to a nearby rental house. So later that night, I'm after... I'm very, very upset that this story has taken such a dark turn. Yeah, I don't know if you realize this, but this podcast is about murder. Well, just for once. And not love like stories. Oh, lovers. lovers. So later that night, after no one had heard from the couple, which was unusual, Shannon's mom called Chris's parents to tell them she was going to call police to file a missing persons report. Well, I'm glad. She's right on it. She's on it. So the next morning, January 7th, Chris's body is found near some railroad tracks. Oh, no. He had been sexually assaulted. What? And shot in the back of his head and set on fire. <gasps> oh, my God. So now the search is on to find Shannon. This is terrible. It's a bad one. So January 8th, a family member of Shannon's finds her vehicle and call the police, and the police do a search of the vehicle, and it turns up a set of fingerprints on an envelope. Oh. The prints are run through the database at the police office, police department, the police office. <laughs> it's the at their office. office. Um, and they come back as belonging to a Lamarica, a, I got to tell you, I got to say this, Lamaricus Davidson. Okay. So he's now a prime suspect. Yeah. Further investigation leads police to a rental house that was in Davidson's name. Oh, no. In the local area. This rental house was about two blocks from where Channon's vehicle had been found. Right. They, they got to get their warrants and everything straight. So January 9th, the next morning, police go to the house where they find Channon in a trash bin. Channon had been tortured, Ugh. raped, oh God. and bleach had been poured all over oh her body. Oh, my Lord. Sugar? It's going to get worse, so you might just to tone it, it down a little because you're about to lose your voice and all of your how, breath. How can it get any this worse? This is a really dark tale. Damn and it's, it. It's, and so you're just going to have to take a breath. All right. Okay. I'm going to get some wine. Good. <laughs> so the bleach also was also found inside of Shannon's mouth. Her neck had been broken, and she had been completely wrapped in plastic bags and dumped in a trash can where it seemed that she slowly suffocated and died. So now the search is on to find Mr. Davidson, Lamericus. Yeah. So, yeah. January 11th, whilst looking for Davidson, the cops find in Lebanon, Kentucky, Davidson's brother, Latalvis okay. Cobbins, and a friend of theirs, 
George Thomas. Um, I don't know what's happening in the background, but somebody's about to lose their license and their life. I'm not even going to say who's in the background right now, but I can tell you that was not Piper's cell phone. Anyway. We have a very unruly staff that works in the background. Yes, he's the dog handler, and he doesn't do a good job either way. No, because the dog is in the kitchen with She's me. running amok, and now he's running amok, but I love him anyway. They find Latalvis and their friend George Thomas at this house in Kentucky, and later the same day, they also track down and arrest Davidson at another home in Knoxville, Tennessee. So on January 12th, the federal warrant was served, and a fourth suspect was named. His name is Eric Boyd. So now we've got four people involved in this. Wait, so his last name is Boyd? Boyd. Okay. Boyd. Boyd. Mm-hmm. So later on, there's a fifth suspect that gets named, and it's Latalvis's girlfriend, Vanessa Coleman. What? This, this, so they're investigating, they're trying to build their cases, they're waiting for trials. So all of this had started in the beginning of January. May 28th, the KKK organizes a march through Knoxville. Okay. They're protesting the murder of these two people. Okay. And the reason that they're protesting it is because they're saying that it was racially motivated and it should be tried as a hate crime. Oh. Investigators said that there was no racial motivation that they could see, even though the victims were both white and all of the suspects were black. They said it was just a random act of violence and there was no hate crime. But the KKK felt very strongly and they marched, which was really controversial. And, you know, what a trying time for these parents who are grieving these two kids. Right. And now, you know, you've got these people that are showing up trying to stir up more trouble. Right, right. So that all happened in 2007. March 4th, 2008. Okay. It's a year and three months after the murders. Prosecutors announced that they would be seeking the death penalty against four out of the five defendants. Okay. Okay? April 4th, Eric Boyd is found guilty in federal court of accessory after the fact for the carjacking and also for hiding one of the suspects. Okay. So he was, I guess he was helping Davidson. So he didn't, he wasn't involved in the murder. I didn't say that. Okay. I'm just saying the, the federal court tried him on these charges and he was found guilty and he got 18 years in federal prison for that. Okay. Okay. So at the trials, there are several trials, right? The Knox County <clears throat> Medical Examiner, excuse me, that was not either of us or our bodily functions. That is my dog and her pig. And when she gets frustrated or mad, she stomps on the pig to make noise to let us know she's frustrated. And obviously she's very frustrated with this podcast because it ain't about her. So the medical examiner discloses the autopsy findings at the trial. And this is the first time the families find out what exactly happened to their loved ones, oh, yeah. which I think I is horrible. That, yeah, but that does happen a lot. I know. And it's the first time that they are going to see the crime scene and in autopsy pictures. pictures. Oh, golly. So if it were me, I think I would have to skip it. I might want to. I, I really do. Findings for Chris Newsom. Who am I kidding? I don't know. I probably wouldn't. Probably be right in there. If it's your loved one, though. I think I would. I don't know. I would just be so mad. I would be mad, but I don't know as a mother could I handle seeing that of my child. I, I like all of that. Yeah. You know, I, I do, I too. I like a medical drama, an autopsy, whatever. Yeah. I, like, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, let I me just tell you. I want to know. Yeah. These are things you're going to want to unknow when I go through them. Oh, my God. 
Christopher Newsom. He had been sodomized with an object. He had been raped by a person. He had been bound, blindfolded, gagged, stripped naked from the waist down, shot in the back of the head, the back of the neck, and in the back, and his body had been set on fire. All of this had been done at the house where they found Channon's body, and then his body was then wrapped and dumped by the railroad tracks. Oh my God. So, you're going to be looking at pictures of why they came up with this. I know. Okay. These are the findings for Channon. She had sustained hours of torture. She had been inflicted with several traumatic brain injuries. Wow. She suffered injuries to her vagina, her anus, her mouth, due to repeated sexual assaults. Before killing her, in an effort to remove DNA, she had bleach poured down her throat. She had been scrubbed. Her skin had been scrubbed with bleach. She had been bound with curtains and strips of bedding. Her face was covered with a trash bag. Her body and the rest of her, all of her together, she was not dismembered. They had put her in five large trash bags and tied her up and put her out in the residential waste disposal unit, also known as a dumpster. Right. And then they covered her with soiled sheets and garbage from a Wendy's meal. Oh, my God. And the evidence showed that Channon slowly suffocated, suffocated to death in that garbage bin. Damn it. Like, that's heinous. That is freaking ridiculous to do that to any living being. Anybody. I don't care. If, I don't care if you're doing it to a cockroach. I don't care. It's just horrible. And, and that, to me, is the evilest of evil. Like, who can do all these things? And they did it as a group. I don't know how any of them are living. I don't know why they get to live. So, 2008 and 2009, there were lots of trials for these defendants. There's federal trials, there's state trials, there's county trials, it's just trial after trial after trial, and they're constantly trying to get a jury sequestered or get a jury from, get the venue moved. I mean, it's just one hearing after another. It's very busy, very busy. And so the main defendants are four men, right? Right. So they all get convicted at the state level and sentenced to various jail times. Not death? But wait. Okay. There was a state judge presiding over all of these trials. There were three criminal court judges in this county, and he was the main guy. Right. And he happened to be over all of their trials. So he had to hear it three times. Over and over. Yes. Well, in 2011, he was forced to resign when he admitted to being addicted to drugs, purchasing prescription pain meds from convicts. Oh, and was accused by a woman of trading legal favors for sex acts during the breaks in the court sessions. Oh, great. So, because this was to have believed to have impaired his ability to conduct fair trials, the final two years of trials that he presided over were thrown out. <gasps> Son of a biscuit eater! Are you serious? So, Judge Baumgartner is his name, and he's been disbarred. Do you have liquor? I know. It's bad. I'm not, I mean, I'm halfway done, sugar. Oh, God, I can't, I cannot. Seven weeks later, new trials were given to all four male defendants. Oh, my God. But what about Vanessa? 
the lone female in all of this mess. Well, she had been granted federal immunity for her testimony in the federal trials of the carjacking. Excuse me. And when it came to her trial for the state, they said, we don't recognize your federal immunity. So they tossed that deal out at the state level. And she still got federal immunity, so she couldn't be tried at the federal level, but state tried her. They did not extend that immunity to the charges of murder and rape for her. So on March 10th, she's acquitted of first-degree murder, but she was found guilty on, they say the lesser charges, but I don't think this is lesser, like it's less important. I think it's just holds less weight in the court. Right. But she was she was um, found guilty on charges of rape from for both people. What? Yes. And she gets sentenced to 53 years in state prison. Not long enough. No. Let's go back to the asshole defendants, the men. This is going to catch you. Just just take a deep breath. Because okay, I'm thinking, I don't know if I can go back. Yes. So I, don't, I don't know that I can go back. I know. So due to double jeopardy, don't say it. No don't. one, no one could be given more than the maximum of what they had gotten at their first trials. Damn it! So that was the so whatever they got was the maximum that could be asked for in their new trials. Oh my gosh, is that judge in jail? He should. First of all, if I were this, these two people's kin, I'd be suing the living crap out of oh, that man. I'd be yes. suing him up wide. I, I just don't. I'm telling you. Yeah. So this made Davidson the only one eligible for capital punishment because he had gotten the death penalty in one of his convictions in one of the trials that got thrown out. He was the only one that had gotten it. So he's the only one. They had asked for it for everybody, but he's the only one that got it. So in these new trials, he's the only one they could ask for the death penalty for. There's a new judge that comes in. Oh, there's a new judge mm-hmm. in town. I know. He comes in. He says, I'm going to clean this up. He ends up getting recused. What? Because of his emotional involvement in the case, a higher court said that it might interfere with the ability to conduct a fair trial. Okay. So, What's happening in Tennessee? serious. There's another new judge. So we've got another judge. And he denies new trials for Cobbins and Davidson. Davidson is the one that got the death penalty before, and right. he says, you don't get a new trial. Because he looked at the timeline of when the cutoff was for Baumgartner, and he said, mm, your trial was right before. So they're recusing two years. His trial was right before that two-year mark. He said, you don't get a new trial, and neither does Cobbins. Good. Who was his brother, Latalvis. Their convictions and their sentences remain remained in place. But new trials were ordered for Thomas and Coleman. Okay? All right. So let's talk about Vanessa Coleman. In November of 2012, this is five years after the murder, and she is finally convicted of facilitation of aggravated kidnapping, facilitation of two counts of rape, facilitation of murder of Channon, but not of Chris. I don't know why. Nobody knows. She does get 35 years in a state prison, minus the credit for time served. Oh no. This made her eligible eligible for parole in 2013. Oh gosh. A judge said no. Good. And then again in 2019 and a judge said no. So twice she's been blocked for even being able to go to the parole board. Good. 
May of 2013, there's a retrial of George Thomas, and he's found guilty on all the counts. Yay! He is resentenced to life, with, but with parole after 51 years. But 51 years is a long time. It's still not enough. I agree. So then June in 2003, he also gets sentences to two life sentences for the murders, and those are consecutive. In other words... Two life sentences. Nice. You serve one life and then you serve another I life. Love you it. mother fudger. That's the best news out of the whole story. Yes. And then he also gets another 25 years crap. for the rapes, but they have they get to run concurrent to his two life sentences. So whatever. And then Thomas appealed to the Tennessee State Supreme Court, but they refused to even hear his case. Lord have mercy. So Eric Boyd, remember him, the guy that went to federal prison for the count. I don't remember any of them anymore. So finally, in March of 2018, he gets indicted by Knox County. Okay. Okay. So then he's transferred out of federal prison into county jail to await, but the judge sets his bail at a million dollars. Good. So he has to sit in jail and wait. It's exhausting. August of 2019. He finally goes to trial. He is found guilty of all charges, total of 36 charges at the yes. county level. So he that included two premeditated first-degree murders and multiple charges of rape against both victims. Right. And sentenced to life automatically for the murder. The murder in the first degree, he got automatic life, but I don't think it means no parole. It's automatically life. Right. So now we go to Latavius Cobbins. Remember him? Yes. Okay, and his trial from 2009 had to stay. Right, right. He didn't. So just so you know, he was found guilty of the murders of Channon and Christopher. He was found guilty of facilitation of murder for Chris, but acquitted of rape of Chris. He got life, no parole. And that had to stay. They right. could not. They, they didn't give him another trial. And then Lamericus Davis. In October of 2009, so he didn't make the cutoff, he was found guilty of four capital charges. Two first-degree murders, two premeditation first-degree murders, and the death penalty automatically applies for those. Okay, And then in June of 2010, he got another sentence of 80 years for the related, other related charges. So what he gets is two consecutive death sentences. Yes! And a consecutive 80 years. So this is what happens. This is what I want him to do. This, Let me tell you what I want him to okay. do. I want them to kill him. Bring him back. Bury him. <laughs> unbury him. Kill him again. Okay, so pretty much what the court is saying is Davidson should be put to death twice and then serve 80 more years as a rotting corpse. Yes, That's the only way they can it. do it. And what I, I would like to... needs to be in some one of the other ones jailed. I, rotting, rotting. Yeah. Yes, rotting away. I think we should that. just... Actually, we should just rotate him. Yeah. Just rotating throughout yeah. all of them. It's your turn this week, bitch. Yeah. So um, that's the best news of any of this to me because somebody finally just threw the book at somebody. And I know it doesn't make sense to say you're going to be put to death twice and then serve 80 years, but I don't give a I crap. I don't either. I want, some, I want it to be that extreme. Yeah. And so, and I want to say, listen, I'm sorry, family of Mr. Davidson, but if he dies before his death sentences, one of you got to sit in. Yeah. And after he dies, he's got to pick another one to take the other death sentence. And then after that, somebody's going to have to sit in there for 80 years with his corpse. Right. 
Like, I think his whole entire family's got to go down yeah, for this. I don't know why not. Did, they ever, did anybody ever say why? There's random act of violence. Oh, random. How? This is not random act of violence. This is a mob mentality. That's what this is. Yeah. So, and they're animals. They're like wild dogs yeah. in the savannah desert. There's not a desert in the savannah area, I don't think. But the the not desert, savannah, the, Georgia, but no, in the in the savannas of Africa. Yes. Okay. So um, I did a little. Where are they now? Oh, as a wrap up. I know. We are not going to see any of. Because we well, we could put these people on our federal prison tour. I'm good. So Mr. Eric Boyd is in a low security federal prison. Great. Mm-hmm. At the Federal Correctional Institute in Yazoo County, Mississippi. Oh, That's M I crooked letter crooked letter I crooked letter crooked letter I humpback humpback I. Oh, in case wow. anybody needs to spell Mississippi. There you go. Vanessa Coleman is in a Tennessee prison for women in Nashville, Tennessee. December 2020, that's this December, right. is her next parole hearing in case we want to try to get in on that. Okay. Cobbins and Thomas are both at Bledsoe County Correctional Complex in Pikeville, Tennessee. Cobbins is serving life without parole. Thomas is serving 123 years to life and he will be eligible for parole in, two, in 2064 in case we wanted to go and visit him. We've got till 2064. <laughs> Davidson is on death row in Riverbend Maximum Security Institution in Nashville, Tennessee. All he is right. still on death row. He's not been put to death yet. So that is my murder. It was, I was, that was rough. Let's it was do rough. That. Don't do yeah, I, like I that. can't. Next time my murder is going to have a happy ending Next somehow. Next time I pick a funny one. <laughs> I don't know. Pick a funnier murder. <laughs> well, when I first started up. doing this, I wanted a murder in Tennessee because I haven't covered a murder in Tennessee yet. Right. So I start looking up murders in Tennessee and then this came up as one of the most heinous murders in Tennessee. Right. And I said, oh, I'll do this one. And then I was real sorry. I was real sorry that I did it, and but I was in it, so I had to, I couldn't get out of it. Right. But seriously, it's too much. It was a that was a really rough one. I'm not. Really. You can't. Let's don't do that again. We won't. So can you flip that banana loaf out and give us a bite? Because I mean, you when you cook, you should serve. No. You never serve. I am in service to others all the time. It's rude. When mm. you have people to your house, you serve them. Mm. No, not really. Not yeah, particularly. Not particularly. I'm going to wash some hands. I appreciate that. Would you like some hand sanitizer as well? It's got some essential oils in it. It smells real good. It's overkill. It's not overkill. What if you missed the spot? Then I guess you'll be the one to pay. I guess Then I'll you should have served me. Mm-hmm. Girl. <laughs> Serving Let's talk stuff. about this thing that I see. I don't know a whole lot about it. Called Hunt, hunt a Killer? Hunt say, a, say what? Hunt, <laughs> be careful how you say this. Hunt a Killer? Yeah, it's so it's game, supposed to be a called? game. Yeah, it's a game that they mail you a killer, a murder case. Oh, okay. Is and it real, like a real murder? Are you looking for paper plates or over yeah. here? I don't think it's a real murder. Okay. But, and then I think they mail you clues in the mail, and oh. then you try to solve it. Oh. It's really cool. So we thought about doing it as a couple, my husband and I. And um, we had talked about couple? it. Well, we, we've been known to be. Huh. We couple up sometimes. 
we're thinking about doing that. It kind of seems cool. Right before this pandemic hit, we saw some stuff that in Charleston, they were getting ready to do some murder mystery tours where you go and there's like, you know, it's like the murder mystery dinners, except you go through the streets of Charleston to solve the murder. No way! Yeah, and then the pandemic hit, so Dang. I don't know. I don't know. Are you having trouble getting that out? Yes. Well, it didn't say flower. It just said grease. It's fine. But that, that to hunt a killer looks really good. It, oh, hunt, hunt a killer. That's it. Uh -huh. What did I call it? Hunt a murder. Hunt a murder. Don't do that. <laughs> no, we don't want to. Don't mail me a murder. No. Well, don't mail me a killer either. No, now that I think about it, killer. just mail me a case and I'll no. work on it. But this I really call mail me a killer. You're in trouble. Don't don't answer the mail. Obviously, I did something wrong. Oh, I think it's because the sugar in the bottom. I think that make makes a little bit of a difference. But I feel like you can figure this one out. I got it. Just give me a piece. Let me chomp up on some banana bread. So while she's finishing that up, I want to ask you all to please go on to YouTube and subscribe to our channel. It's Karen and Ann. Karen Ampersand. Is that how you say it? Ampersand. Yes. Ampersand. Ann. Space. Sugar coated. One word. So um, we're on YouTube. We're on Instagram at Sugar Coated Murder. Yeah. We've got a fan book. A fan book page. I always do that. It's a Facebook fan page. Yeah. We would love to see you there. Instagram, Facebook, email, YouTube. And Listen to our podcast. Make us famous. Please. Why not? What if you, you make us famous, we'll take you along with us. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Y'all yeah, can be our official tasters. Absolutely. All right. Well, this banana bread is good. It's so good. This is really it's good. It's got a nice crunchy I like outer. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's got a little texture on the outside. Yeah. I like a texture. Mm -hmm. So, Amanda, thank you so much. Yes, thanks y'all for listening. And thanks for listening and continue to send us those murders because we love it when y'all send us murders to oh, do. Yeah. It's really fancy and fun. And then we don't have to do horrible ones like the one Karen just did. Oh my God, that gosh. was such a drag. Ugh. All right, guys, well, y'all stay sweet. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.